One of the most sought-after women in Paris tells a little white lie to her husband. The heart-shaped diamond earrings he gave to her on their wedding day have gone missing. She would never suspect that this fairly harmless lie would change their marriage and their lives forever, resulting in tragedy. I'm Valerie Higgs, and this is my Cinematic Bucket List. are back. I spent the past few months not watching films, especially greatest films. Part of the problem was not able to access the TCM channel thanks to Comcast choice to bundle the channel in a, in a special sports and entertainment package. I'll get a, into that another time. I did watch a few horror movies the past few months. Insidious, The Red Door, which I enjoyed. Megan, uh, that's that movie about the doll, kind of like Chucky, which was hilariously fun to watch. I also saw Oppenheimer, which I did review, and will release that episode during Oscar season, if it's nominated for Best Picture. I started watching Peaky Blinders, just based on... Killian Murphy's performance. I mean, I first was introduced to him when watching 28 Days Later, and he's a super strong actor, so it really wasn't that much of a hardship. I loosely watched Foundation, kind of watching that weekly on Apple TV. It seems to be okay, but I only have to pay attention. We started season two of Dark Winds on AMC. I really enjoyed the first season and this season is pretty good too. And finally we did binge watch Hijack on Apple TV with Idris Elba and though at times it was really frustrating I did enjoy it. Back to the list. The first episode of season two starts with the French and Italian movie coming in at number 94 on the British Film Institute's list. The Earrings of Madame de, which is a 1953 film directed by Max Arfouls, Arfouls, <laughs> and based on the book by Louise de Valmoran. Please excuse my French. I watched it on the Criterion streaming channel. There are a lot of movies on both of these lists, the AFI and the BFI lists, that can be found on Criterion. As I mentioned, Madame De is a French and Italian movie, and I mean, it is a French and Italian movie. I really had to chuckle at how American I am. It's set in the late 1800s. The much sought after Louise, played by Danielle Derriot. Again, I'm butchering names and I'm sorry. She sells the earrings that her husband gave her when they got married. Then, while at the opera, she announces that she thinks that they fell off or were missing. She implies, she didn't really imply that they were stolen. But first, what is her last name? It's never said. There's always a reason why we miss it. Either visually, like for instance, her name is on a dance card, and just as we're about to see her married name, she drops her fan right over it. So we don't see it. There's another scene where she's calling out what her name is, and she just 
my name is Louise, duh, you know, and then it, it just kind of fades because she just got far enough away that we never hear her last name. This cute little thing that the director does, you know, it's based on the book and it's very similar. Anyway, the men are always theming over her. She's very elegant and attractive. She really is always smartly dressed and according to her husband, she's a big flirt. She tells a little white lie about her earrings being missing. Ah, they might be in the carriage, they might be on the floor in the opera box, it may be in the neighboring opera box, but who knows. Her husband, the general, played by Charles Boyer, who's one of my dad's favorite actors, he searches high and low to find the diamond earrings. The next day, once the news of the missing earrings hit the newspaper, you know, the couple is kind of well-known and admired. The jeweler, who sold the earrings to her husband, runs quickly over to the house to let the general know Louise had sold them back to him the day before. Louise had actually asked the jeweler not to tell anyone, but it's the late 1800s, he's in the boys' club, and there's some excuse about not wanting it to be a reflection on his shop, which I didn't understand. So he he decided he had to break his promise. Once the jeweler tells about her little lie, the general chuckles a little bit and, you know, buys them back from the jeweler. Later, he decides on a whim to give them to his lover Lola as a parting gift. While in Turkey, she loses everything gambling and sells the earrings to try to make up what she lost. The way, you know, it never gets into whether or not she was successful because this sets up the rest of the movie. Up until this point, everything is fine. I didn't pick up on why Louise needed to sell the earrings, but the sale of the earrings sets the stage for the events to follow. I think everything would have happened the way it did anyway, but the earrings in the mix just made everything worse. A little later, Louise crosses paths with the Baron Fabrizio Donati, played by Vittorio De Sica, an Italian who is a passing acquaintance of the general. He notices Louise from a distance and instantly is smitten. They meet cute several times until they finally officially meet on the dance floor. The general is away for some length of time that I didn't catch. The feelings that the Baron has for Louise eventually becomes mutual. All the while, other men are openly interested in pursuing Louise. We never get the sense that drooling over a married woman is taboo, and if the general is away, these guys definitely make these their moves publicly. It's amazing that everyone is so good-natured about being in open relationships. The general doesn't seem very concerned about her suitors. He probably has another woman in the pipeline. It isn't clear why he broke up with Lola. Maybe he met someone else. Maybe he needed a break. I don't know. But he didn't seem that concerned that the Baron was in love with his wife quite yet. You know, it probably happened many times before. She was just that sought after. He didn't take it seriously until Louise threatened to move away for a time, not even to see the Baron, and then suddenly it was very serious. While the climactic event isn't really surprising, it's still a bit shocking. I thought, oh, we're going there. This will not end well. <laughs> I won't spoil it, but it does end with a question mark. The viewer has to decide for themselves what they think happened. The drama is high. Louise, trying to convince herself that she's not in love with the Baron, says to him, I don't love you. I don't love you. There are some very nice visual effects, including a segue of a letter being ripped up. The ripped letter turns into snowflakes. There are also a couple of very nice lighting effects. 
you're going to lie to your husband about your missing earrings that you sold, don't repeatedly refer to them. She drove me crazy with that. You sold them. Don't make a big deal out of it. He probably wouldn't have even known they were missing unless he asked her to wear them. The lack of concern he showed when he brought them back from the jeweler and when he gave them to Lola on a whim shows how much he cared about those earrings. Yes, he gave them to Louise after their wedding, but apparently he just thought of them as baubles, a token of his esteem. As far as Louise is concerned, she specifically selected those earrings at the beginning of the movie to sell and took more of more than a minute to do it the entire first scene was of her weighing the decision out of all of the items she owned she cared the least about these earrings the general gave her at her wedding she said she had never really liked them she's going through her closet she couldn't live without her furs all these dresses she had other pieces of jewelry that she loved oh and she couldn't bear to part with them louise could have said nothing and I'd bet my paycheck he wouldn't have known. If she so disliked these earrings, she probably never wore them anyway. What would have been the difference? When the general discovered by some turn of events that the Baron bought the earrings unknowingly in Constantinople, thanks to Lola, and gave them to Louise, totally had no idea, he just thought they were beautiful earrings, and he gave them to Louise, the general still found the entire affair amusing and, you know, said, oh, well, I know who had those earrings and it just kind of tells me how bad things have gotten for her and that was the end of it. The fact that Louise tried to continue her white lie by putting the jewels in her opera gloves and then making a scene about, oh, these aren't the gloves I wanted to wear and she pulls the ones with the jewels. Oh, look, here, here are the earrings that have been missing all of this time. That was, you know, again, what are you calling attention to them for? And it tipped the general off that there was something more to her relationship with the Baron. In her actions, Louise was basically saying she wasn't as in love with the general as we thought. But was there ever real love between them? Had she married him because he was the most logical choice at the time? I mean, it was established that they had separate bedrooms linked by a suite. That was telling. True, this was a code movie, but you would think that they would have twin beds next to each other if that were the case. They really made a big deal about the fact that they had two separate bedrooms. They were close enough that you could talk comfortably. The general was in his room, she was in her room, the door was open with the connecting suite, and they were having a full conversation, so it wasn't that far away kind of tells you a little something about their relationship. The general's dalliances didn't really reveal much about his feelings for Louise either. He was French. <laughs> Second of all, it was the 1800s. It was a simpler time. Not only did he seem amused by their relationship, he also didn't exactly dissuade the relationship. I mean, he only seemed to really care when Louise was just dying over these earrings that the Baron had given to... I mean, the general had given them to her and she didn't react the same way as when the baron did. Still, the general's next moves weren't because Louise was in love with the baron. I really don't believe that. I think he made his next move when Louise expressed her need to move away for a time and stopped attending social events. There was clearly something more going on with her and the baron. And she had to get away from everybody to get some perspective, apparently. But it was less a reflection of their marriage and their love than a reflection on the general as a man. People were probably already talking. They would talk about him and wonder why Louise kept at home or kept herself in other countries. She 
stop going to the balls. Everybody had to be talking about her relationship with the Baron. I mean, they really did not keep it a secret. They were always the last to leave the balls, keeping the musician playing way into the night, even when the coat checkers gave the couple back their outer clothes. It was one thing to discreetly fool around with someone, but to, for Louise to mope around like a lovesick teenager was another. The genius in the director's choices is in the details. Even the background actors had something to do. There was a suitor who always tried to get Louise's attention on the dance floor to the Baron's annoyance. You'll notice that the general didn't really pay that man any mind. You could hear the longing in the suitor's voice as he greeted Louise, even when he was dancing with someone else. There's the first violinist who was fed up <laughs> because he had to play later than he was probably uh, paid to. He packed up his violin and he left the stage with a great flourish as he walked by Louise and the Baron still dancing. Later, we see him sneaking a suite from a tray at another event. The director doesn't just casually have them in the background with things to do. He focuses on them in passing, but he still wants you to notice them. This movie would be worth a rewatch just to watch the people in the background. I enjoyed this movie quite a bit. I enjoyed Louise's performance the most. She was very feminine and delicate without being limp, although the constant fainting was a bit much. We find out later it's kind of an important plot point. I loved her costumes. I didn't take note as to who the costumer was, but they were beautiful. And I kind of wished that we could wear those kind of clothes these days without people thinking we were kind of strange. Charles Boyer's general was very good, uh, but nothing really stood out. He was very effective in Gaslight, and I also plan on seeing the movie that my dad talked about frequently as his favorite, Algiers. So it'll be interesting to see him in that role. And he's the romantic lead. I found Vittorio De Sica as the Baron kind of annoying at first, but he turned out to be quite the romantic character. I think it would be difficult for this movie to be made or remade by Americans. I mean, the plot might work, actually. I didn't see anything in my research that said that there was another version. If you have never watched this movie, I highly encourage it. It's very beautifully shot very well acted, and I would not be surprised if I watched it again at some point. Next episode, we will talk about Quentin Tarantino's most famous movie, kind of put him on the map, officially, the 1994 movie that also brought John Travolta back from obscurity, Pulp Fiction. This will be the first time that I've watched it all the way through since seeing it in the theater. It's been on TV and, you know, I've, I've watched parts here and there, but this is a long movie. It's almost three hours. I've never sat down and watched it from the very beginning to the end since then. So, that's the episode. Uh, let me know what your thoughts are about the earrings of Madame De and leave them on the My Cinematic Bucket List Facebook page or on Twitter or X or whatever. And let me know if you liked it as much as I did. If you didn't like it, I'm interested to hear what you think. This has been My Cinematic Bucket List. I'm your host, Valerie Higgs. Thanks to the podcast host platform, Spotify, which makes it ridiculously easy to start a podcast. 
Thanks also to Soundstripe, which is where I found this fantastic theme music composed by Falls. And thank you for continuing to listen. If you liked today's episode, I would really appreciate it if you would rate and review it at your convenience. See you next time.